Welcome to the Anti-Capitalist Chronicles, uh, at this time uh, hosted by a new podcast platform, which is the Politics in Motion uh, platform. Uh, my first presentation will concentrate on the understanding of the mode of production uh, as a totality uh, from the standpoint of the emancipated laborer. At the end of uh, the companion I wrote to Marx's Grundrisse, uh, I suggested that uh, one of the subtexts that seemed to be buried in Marx's meanderings in that uh, rather magnificent book, that a subtext was to ask the question, <clears throat> what would an emancipated labourer think uh, of the way in which capital works? Um, Marx declares his... Uh, uh, determination uh, to try to understand the whole workings of the capitalist system and in fact to co construct a theory of a capitalist mode of production. And uh, in that uh, he was uh, moving step by step to look at the contradictions uh, within the capitalist uh, political economy in ways which were very revealing uh, to the worker uh, in terms of why it was that the kind of uh, oppressions that they were experiencing were absolutely essential to the organization of that mode of production. Uh, the answer, of course, was simple, that uh, uh, workers are not there to produce goods, they're not there to produce commodities, they are there to produce profit. Uh, in Marx's language, they are there to produce surplus value. And this is the main thing they produce, and that uh, surplus value, however, is incorporated in the production of things, so that the production of things and processes and all the rest of it is the means by which uh, the profit is created. So this was the idea, and throughout it seemed to me there was a kind of question mark all of the time as to what would a worker think of this, and step by step, as they thought of it, they became more and more emancipated. And so the idea came to my mind that we should really start to think about what might be called the pedagogy of the emancipated, emancipated labourer. Now, in this, of course, I'm uh, riffing off of uh, uh, Gilberto Freire and his uh, discussion of the pedagogy of the oppressed. Now, the point here is not to imagine that somehow or other the worker could become mentally emancipated entirely from the, the travails of how a capitalist system worked, and then after being emancipated this way, go about the task of reconstructing it. No, that's not what Marx had in mind, and it's not what I would have in mind. But what I would have in mind is to try to construct a theoretical framework 
in which people can better understand the kind of society in which we live and why the society in which we live has certain characteristics which seem irredeemable and unchangeable without actually overthrowing uh, the mode of production itself and actually creating an alternative, a socialist mode of production or even perhaps a communist mode of production. Now Marx in proposing this and pursuing this is actually asking <coughs> the worker to stretch themselves somewhat in terms of their understandings. In Marx's day, uh, the audience was largely that of the uh, self-educated worker. Uh, and I think that uh, this is something we might want to think about as we come to the idea of what would the pedagogy of an emancipated worker look like. That pedagogy would, would have to begin with the situation of the worker in relationship to capital and how capital absolutely structures uh, the, the forms of remuneration and, and the, the forms of uh, exploitation uh, and oppression or within which the worker has to exist. exist. So what, in fact, we're looking at here is to ask the question, if, if production has to be organized in this way, then are there ways to actually see glimmers of possibility of alternatives at each point in the analysis? In other words, we'd, uh, we'd look at what is actually happening and then ask the question, what, what kinds of things can be done to change the, how this world works? Um, and in doing this, uh, the creation of the theory of the Marxist mode of a Marxist theory of the mode of production is to try to actually set up uh, a full understanding and a framework in which those questions can be posited and those questions can be partially answered. Now there is a problem here, and it's this: Marx clearly sees that the processes of capital accumulation are not static. Technology is constantly changing, consumption patterns are constantly changing, consumerism is constantly changing, the political framework is constantly changing. In other words, Marx is going to be talking about a system that is in, in evolution. But it is in evolution at the same time as it constitutes what he called a totality. And this is where I would really like to start. Let us think about capital as a totality. Let us think about its how, it, how it is created, let us think about how it is actually developed uh, over time and how it changes. But in so doing, what Marx argued was that we needed concepts which could capture the situation. And the trouble is that the concepts are sort of tend to get fixed. And in a sense, the theorization that we construct is going to be de dependent upon fixed constructs in order to calculate what is happening in a changing world. And at a certain point, uh, we would like to follow Marx and say, wouldn't it be good if we could have concepts which are themselves evolving at the same time as capital is evolving? Uh, that, it turns out, is a bit too hard to do. So we're going to use uh, a set of fixed categories initially in order to try to understand what the nature of capital is about and what might be done uh, to, to change it. Now, one of the things that I suggested was that the real framework in which Marx cast all of this 
was as follows, <clears throat> that he decided to think of a totality, but a totality that is constituted by multiple circulation processes. And I use the analogy of the human body as an example, that the human body can be thought of as a totality. Uh, but at the same time, it is constituted by the circulation of, 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 of matter uh, and by a variety of circulatory processes. For example, blood circulates from the heart, uh, oxygen circulates through the lungs, uh, energy through the digestive system, uh, the brain uh, also intervenes in this. So there are many circulatory processes that, that actually constitute a human body. And it turns out that almost all scientific investigations at a certain point define a totality and then look at the circulatory processes and these circulatory processes are, are actually movements through different, what Marx called, moments. And so you've got these three terms, totality, circulation process, and moments. For instance, when we're looking at the circulation of capital, we see that at one moment, capital exists as money. At the next moment, it exists as inputs of labor and of uh, material goods and, and so on, and commodities, into production then has a moment of production. It is then sold and there's a moment of realization of the value of the commodity in the market by, by a sale. So the, the, the general framework is then uh, one in which there's a totality, circulationary processes and different moments within that, those, each, each process. Uh, now these moments uh, have a distinctive character. Uh, for example, uh, one of the very important things that happens with capital is, of course, the capital is mobile. It can move around the world. But in what state must it be to move most easily around the world? Well, when money is, is the form that is dominant uh, within, the, within capital, and when capital takes the money form, then it can easily be shifted from one part of the world to another. I can put investment money or into, uh, say, J Japanese bonds and German bonds and uh, French and Italian bonds. I can, I can move my money around very quickly. Commodities, less so. Some commodities can be moved very quickly. Some are much, much stickier and stuck in place. So in a sense, uh, we see a, a real difference in terms of mobility cap capacity, depending upon uh, what kind of state capital is in. And of course, in terms of production, a lot of production is heavily fixed in place. I mean, if you have a huge factory uh, and, and everything, there's a lot of sunk capital, makes, which makes it difficult to move. So you can't pick up and move, uh, say, five times in a year, whereas I can move my investment funds by minutes uh, or if, if I want in money form. So one of the reasons for actually distinguishing between the moments is to say, each moment has a certain character, and we have to analyze that character and what the possibilities are in that, because then capital will use that character so that if it wishes to create something called globalization, for example, which you've heard much talk about over the past you know, 30 or 40 years, if, if it's going to work in globalization, almost certainly it's going to mean that money is going to have to be the primary form that capital takes, uh, because you cannot move car plants and steel mills and uh, all that large fixed capital investment around very easily, so that that has to be secondary, if you like, to 
the form of capital if you are going to create a world in which globalization uh, is significant. So take those three things, totality, uh, and define a commodity, uh, and, and, and define uh, uh, the labor process, and, and say how the, the, all of those things work together through the circulation uh, of, of labor, through the circulation of capital, uh, and through the different moments that people go through. Now, again, in the Grundrisse, one of the things I did was to look at one of the forms of circulation that Marx does isolate uh, for consideration, and that is the circulation of labor capacity. And in the circulation of labor capacity, Marx proposes that we think of labor in different moments of its experience. And those moments are uh, constitute, as it were, the, the totality uh, as far as the capacity to labor is concerned. So we start the day then with the labor, laborer waking up in a domestic you know, circumstances, in a neighborhood, in a house, and uh, that, and doing things, getting, you know, having breakfast, sending the kids to school, doing whatever. And so there's a whole life uh, which is to be described and a moment of social reproduction which occurs in the neighborhood, in the household, and, and at home. But then the laborer has another field of experience, which is the labor market. The laborer moves out of the, the neighborhood and looks for a job. And in, there's a, therefore a big world of experience of what it's like to go into a labor market. And we see there are different labor markets around the world, uh, different kind of segmentations of demand for labor, different, different skills, different capacities and powers and so on. So there's a whole kind of world which is created in terms of labor market functioning. And the experience of the laborer in the labor market is very important uh, for understanding how they understand the world. For example, the labor market is structured that the laborer sells the capacity to labor to an, an, on an individual basis. Therefore, the market is, a, is, is about individuals seeking to find employment, and they are in competition with other individuals, so that there's not necessarily much class solidarity going on uh, in the labor market. There's a lot of competition between workers, uh, there is often uh, the uh, competition between different ethnic groups uh, for command of certain jobs and uh, gender uh, discriminations come in. So there's a, there's a whole kind of world of experience. And what, so one of the things, again, that Marx does is to suggest that we analyze that experience very closely. And I would then add we would want the, labor, the emancipated laborer to ask the question, how should a labor market be organized in a socialist society? Would we need a labor market? If there is a labor market, should it be competitive? And if it is competitive, what are the rules of competition and so on? So that there are, uh, if you like, a whole set of questions that arise in and around the organization of labor markets. Now, what happens at the end of the day is that at a certain point, the person gets hired. And at that point, they, they move into the labor process. They move, and that is the labor process is under control of capital. Capital chooses a technology, uh, and the productivity of labor is uh, dependent upon uh, capital's choice of technology. And so the capital the technology then becomes significant in terms of what is happening in the labor process. But the labor process is under the command of capital. And so, in a sense, uh, what the laborer does is 
they don't sell themselves to the capitalists. What they do is they sell their capacity to labor and labor, and that belongs to capital. And so capital then decides how to use that capacity to labor, and labor is supposed to do whatever it is the capitalist tells him, tells him or her to do. So this is uh, then, if you like, the crucial point where there is a class relation. And at uh, uh, that point, we often find that the, the class itself starts to organize themselves collectively against the power of capital. So we start to see uh, the question of a class relation as opposed to the competitivity that uh, reigned in, in the labor market. We see in the labor process uh, a class relation emerging in which alienated capital and alienated labor uh, uh, work together to, to create something. And what do they create? They create surplus value uh, in the form of commodities and all the rest of it. So that, this is the second moment, if you like. But then at the end of the week uh, or the day or whatever, uh, the laborer gets a wage. And this leads to the third moment in which, in which uh, the, the laborer now is, is free of whatever it is the capitalist is telling them to do in the world of production and is free to take the money and do with it whatever they want. In other words, they, they are free individuals, but they're expected to use the money in certain kinds of ways. For example, uh, they need to save some money for, for potentiality of unemployment. They need to save money for old age. They need uh, to, to have, a, in many instances, a bank account, uh, which will involve them in bank services and all the rest of it, and they're likely to have a credit card and there's credit card services. So there's a whole world of choice which goes on which is not entirely the choice of the laborer. Because if capital decides to pay the laborer electronically, then the only thing the laborer can do is to set up a bank account, get the, get, it, get the money electronically. And if they get it electronically, then of course it can be taken away electronically. There'll be fees, banking fees, credit card fees, all kinds of scams can occur in the credit market. So there's a whole world of uh, how to handle money. Well, which is very much underestimated as being significant for uh, the way in which capitalist system works. But this uh, experience of what is going on in, in, in the money market and what's going on at the, in the monetary moment is, is, is therefore something that needs to be uh, taken very seriously. And I would here notice that when you look at the wage, uh, a lot of the wage can be actually clawed back by the capitalist class, except that the industrialists may pay the wage and the financiers will extract the wage because this is the way that it often, uh, often works in, 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 in this society. So that's the third, third moment. Uh, the fourth moment is when uh, the laborer takes the money and takes it into the supermarket and buys all the things that are required for order, in order to reproduce themselves. And this can be, you know, shoes and shirts and or, or items of that kind, as well as food and energy and, and that, and, 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 and of course housing and, and, and housing equipment and all the rest of it. So you, what you have then is a, a, a situation where the laborer is no longer experiencing the world in his relationship to industrial capital in terms of employment, but he's experiencing the world uh, because the, it is the capitalists who are selling them the goods. And the capitalists are, of course, setting the price. Uh, there's going to be price gouging, there's going to be monopoly power and all those kinds of things. So this, then this fourth, fourth moment, 
which is which is this moment of the uh, of the uh, of the labourer going to market with money in their pocket and, and spending it however they like, and they should spend it on on necessities, and in some instances they can sell it, uh, spend it on luxuries. They may be able to save a little uh, and set up as an independent uh, entrepreneur or something of this kind if they if they can do so. So this is this is if you like the fourth moment, and then the fifth moment is when all of that is taken back into the neighbourhood, uh, which is the moment where uh, of social reproduction, of labour power, which is uh, also uh, partly individual, uh, but partly also social, because uh, the reproduction of labour power requires education, needs health care, needs housing, all of these kinds of things. So there's a lot of kind of a social provision which is involved in, 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 in the moment of social reproduction of labour power. Now, the point here is to say that the, the, the circulatory process is one in which there are these very different experiences. And if you say, oh, the classic Marxist system of thinking is it's all about class struggle, and it's all about class struggle at the point of production. But you will see from this that there are different other points of struggle which are just as important in a laborer's life. And that therefore, we would want the laborer to, if you ask the laborer, what do you want in terms of your life? You might say, they might say, oh, listen, I don't care about the, the nature of the job. What I do care about is the qualities of social reproduction and neighborhood life and all those kinds of things and social provision, uh, good education, good health care, uh, good environmental qualities and things of this sort. So, so that the laborer, actually, if they start to think of this, this world as, as a totality, would come up with very different notions of how to reconstruct the circulation of their capacity to labor in such a way as to make for a meaningful life, for a pleasant life, for a comfortable life, for an, and, and an acceptable life. So this is what I mean by uh, the pedagogy of the emancipated laborer, because an emancipated laborer would ask the question, well, I, I just don't simply want a higher wage because I know that a higher wage can be taken back uh, by monopoly pricing of uh, you know, pharmaceutical products and housing and land rents and housing rents and all those kinds of things. I, I want an adequate uh, amount of uh, uh, money uh, uh, relative to the pricing of all of those goods. And, that he, and the, the emancipated laborer knows perfectly well that if they get higher wages, then a lot of it will be stolen back uh, by the financiers and the credit card companies or stolen back by the monopoly price gouging which goes on in the sphere of consumption and will be shortchanged in terms of uh, the provision of uh, social requirements which exist in terms of social reproduction. We think of the qualities of neighborhood life. So one of the things that people will want to, want to ask is, are we just simply going to be talking about the labor process, or are we going to be talking about the labor market? Are we going to be talking about uh, the, the, the actual labor process? Are we going to be talking about uh, what happens in the monetary moment, or what happens in the, the, the commodity moment, the buying of commodities moment, or what, or what happens in the neighborhood? So this is what I mean uh, by emancipated labor laborer, by a laborer who understands that the only, the, 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 the real point of, uh, of politics is not to deal with any one of those moments in themselves, but to start to think about the totality and the totality of the experiences that they, experience, that they have in terms of the circulation of their labor capacity 
and then use that knowledge to start to actually create a, a political movement which is going to say, well, we need to improve the qualities of all of these elements. And actually, at a particular historical moment, in a particular place and time, it may be that the main moment is going to be uh, the, uh, the activities of uh, credit card companies and, and financial manipulations and, 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 and the actual steering, uh, stealing of identities and things of this kind. So there may be something of that kind uh, which will come up. So then the, uh, the pedagogy of the, that we would look for is exactly along the lines which I've just outlined, which is to say, we're going to look at the totality and we isolate a totality. In this case, it's the circulation of labor capacity. And that labor totality is such as to lead us to then say, uh, one of the biggest things we've got to do is to stop monopoly pricing, to stop uh, rising land rents uh, and all the rest of it. And for, for, for example, uh, somebody was making the point the other day that a lot of consumer goods have declined in price because, you know, we have Chinese uh, commodities which are, which are very, very, very easy to get and very, very cheap. Uh, and so in some instances, things have become much cheaper. But one area where they've become much, much harder to get is housing. So that housing and affordable housing suddenly becomes a major issue and you would say a socialist movement uh, is not simply only going to be concerned about um, the conditions of labour, which, which of course we should be concerned about, but mainly is concerned about uh, the access to affordable housing. And I think that it is very significant that affordable housing has become a worldwide problem right now in ways that was not the case in Marx's time. So this is, too talks about then the transformation and why we talk about uh, uh, politics in motion. Because uh, over time, different elements will become, different moments will become prominent, and different uh, features of the system will become apparent to you. So this is why I think that uh, the pedagogy of the emancipated labourer is the way to start to think about uh, the, the, the system that we're looking at, which is the capitalist mode of production, and the capitalist mode of production as a totality made up of these different circulatory processes, circulation of uh, fixed capital, the circulation of interest-bearing capital, the circulation of state revenues, circulation of labor capacity, all of these different circulations of money and circulations of commodities and so on, all of these different circulatory processes are present within and each one of them actually helps to define a set of problematics that uh, we might wish to address in the, in the attempt to construct an alternative society to the one which we currently possess. So that is, why, if you like, why it is that we call this new platform, we're going to investigate uh, this process of what Marx calls becoming, the constant becoming of capital. By that he meant the constant evolution, transformation of everything which is going on. And that, that process has to be looked at. So though we set up a static kind of structure of the circulation of labor capacity, we start to see that it is being transformed all of the time by the growth of the system, by the uh, the, the general conditions uh, are prevailing in labor markets and in, in, in uh, 
financial possibilities and in, in, in wage goods determination and things of this kind. So this is, if you like, why we would want to talk about both the circulation of, 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 of these, these various forms that capital takes and, and the forms that labor takes, these circulatory processes, the different moments within those circulatory processes, and then ask the question, how can this all be changed? How can it be restructured in ways which are going to lead to everybody to have an adequate life in an adequate living environment with a reasonable standard of living for for everyone? This is the the the, the ambition, and so the heart, if you like, the heart of what it is we want to do in this podcast platform is precisely to try to elaborate upon things in this kind of way. So look forward to continuing this sort of discussion uh, over the coming months and other people will be joining in and we hope that we will create a major platform for rethinking our whole approach to what anti-capitalist politics might be about. <laughs>